Women's Health Melbourne is a boutique specialist fertility and women's health practice, caring for women at all life stages. We're proud to provide world-class holistic medical care, including IVF and a range of other fertility treatments. We provide our patients with every opportunity to achieve their goals. Our two Melbourne locations are in Fitzroy and our new state-of-the-art Caulfield practice. Reach us at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and you can follow both Women's Health Melbourne and Dr Rayleigh Alou on the socials. Chantelle Otten is an internationally acclaimed psychosexologist based in Melbourne. With her background in scientific research, sexual medicine and counselling, Chantelle believes that sexuality and self-esteem are an integral part of life, which everyone is entitled to, and that good sexual health should always be enjoyable, pain-free and without prejudice. When speaking to Chantelle, it quickly became obvious that we would need more than one episode together to cover Raelia and Chantelle's approaches to sex. Through our series, The Sex Tapes, we will be discussing a range of topics including the female orgasm, sexual concerns, sex for conception and sexual self-esteem through the life stages. Chantelle, thank you so much for joining us today. I think a few people are probably thinking, what is a sexologist? Why don't we start with explaining what that is? I am a psychosexologist, which means that I work with the biggest sexual organ, which is the brain. And basically, I help individuals and couples work through any type of sexual concerns that they have, any questions, and I am part of a, uh, I guess, holistic movement into making sexuality uh, something that we value and that we feel pleasure in and satisfaction in. How did you get into this field? I studied psychology and I love psych. I love why people are the way they are um, and I just love people in general. So I was very happy um, with my psych career, but I knew that I wasn't destined to be a generalized psychologist because I'm um, mm. quite goal-orientated. I'm very Dutch, so I'm very direct and I just don't know if that was working so well for generalized uh, counseling purposes. Um, and I'm also very business orientated. So I was doing organizational psychology for a little bit, um, helping uh, companies really build up their um, their network of people within the company and make sh- making sure that everyone felt happy and satisfied and welcome. And then my mum called me one day because I was just a bit frustrated and rah, 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 you know, I think I need to do something new. And she said... Um, I've watched this TED talk by Esther Perel, who is a famous psychotherapist, and hopefully some of the listeners will have heard of her TED talks. She talks about infidelity, and she also talks about the fluidity of desire. Um, And I watched it, and I thought, I need to be a sexologist, or I need to do this for sex, you know, um, and no one that I knew was really talking about that. I hadn't seen anyone apart from Esther talking about it, and she's from Belgium. Mm. Um, so I went around Melbourne, and I met with some other sex therapists, and I really realized that there was room for growth in this area. Uh, so I um, enrolled in my science medicine degree through Sydney University, and I also got... Um, 
uh, allowance to move to Amsterdam, which is where my family is originally from, Holland, and do my sexology yep. degree there. So I did uh, two courses. Amazing. Yeah, and it worked out. I came back to Australia about um, three years ago. So we thought the female orgasm was a good place to start. It's probably got a bit of demystifying to do. And you talked about the holistic approach. And I think what an amazing place to start with a gynecologist as well as a sexologist to talk about, I suppose, the physiological and the physical part. Dream team. Dream team. <laughs> Raylia, do you want to talk us through perhaps the anatomy that's involved so we sort of can envision what we're t- going to be talking about? Yeah, and I think that, as you said, it is a dream team because for a woman, a prerequisite to female orgasm is sexual arousal. And the anatomy is obviously very important, but a a woman's biggest sexual organ is her brain. And if a woman is not turned on... Exactly. If a woman is not turned on, she's not going to have an orgasm. So that, is, that in mind, uh, let's talk through the anatomy. So the first thing to say is that to maximally enjoy sex with a partner, you really need to know what your anatomy is and also how to please yourself and also to accept that you deserve pleasure. I think those three things are very important. So summarizing the anatomy, let's talk about We'll start with the vagina because for penetrative sex, uh, the vagina is a muscular tube and it's lined with glands and its opening is at the vulva and the roof of the vagina is the cervix. And the cervix is the opening to the womb, sometimes called the neck of the womb. And that's where, in terms of sexual function for pregnancy, sperm has to be released so that it can swim and find an egg. So the vagina is an amazing structure. It's a dynamic structure. It's very stretchy. As the birth canal, it is a structure that can stretch to allow a baby to pass through at full term. So it's really a very dynamic structure. And it in itself has a very limited number of endings of of nerves and we think that's probably why women don't experience you know pain as the vagina does dilate in terms of having having a baby there's obviously pain in childbirth to do with uterine contractions but not so much from the vagina stretching um, because its nerve endings are limited and um, we can talk I guess a little bit about the elusive (laughs) g-spot which is I was going to say it's that really a thing well, well, we think it probably is. I mean, I'll defer to Chantel there as well, but we think it probably is a thing. But the problem is that the G-spot is a area or a postulated area of the anterior vaginal wall, the front wall of the vagina, that has lots of nerve endings and may be important in some women for orgasm. But when you try and define it anatomically, people struggle because, you know, even with MRI studies, there's not one consistent anatomical structure that can be identified as the G-spot in all women. And what doctors and scientists agree on is that the vagina as a dynamic structure can play an active role in the female orgasm. But that particular anatomical landmark is difficult to put 
a finger on, no pun intended. <laughs> um, so what do you think about that, Chantelle, before I keep going about other, other anatomy? Oh, I think, look, you're right. It's a bit of a mysterious and sometimes controversial spot because um, scientifically they're saying it's not really valid, but a lot of women are saying from experience, no, it's there, I know it. So it's it's basically the size of a five-cent piece and it's inside the vagina up towards the belly button if you curve your fingers up and there's a bit of spongy um, fleshy material there and it's full of nerve endings. We also think that it is full of clitoral nerve endings as well and when we uh, touch it and stimulate it it swells up to the size of maybe a 10 cent piece and brings on really good feelings of sexual bliss so kind of similar to the way that your clitoris responds to con uh, contact some women describe it in a way that it's just a different type of orgasmic experience and it's a different type of stimulation it's also very near the skin's glands, which is where we experience um, female squirting or ejaculation, which we can talk about a little bit later on how to experience that. But, uh, you know, a lot of women say that they experience a great amount of pleasure from the G-spot. Yeah, fantastic. So, yeah, it's a structure that is hard to define anatomically, but, you know, women's own lived experience is probably more important than the textbook in terms of the G-spot. I guess the other really important structure we don't want to go past any further is the clitoris. So the clitoris is a small area on the outside and a big area on the inside. So people think of the clitoris as just a small spot above, well, at the top of the, of the vulva, but it's a bit like a, a tip of an iceberg. You see the glands and the, what we call the prepuce over the over the glands, which is kind of like a little bit of an analogy to what a male foreskin would have been because um, anatomically the clitoris is, from an embryological point of view, analogous to the erectile tissue of the penis um, and it is the female erectile tissue and the clitoris has more nerve endings in concentration than any other area of the body and it is a really sensitive area. And while the external area of the clitoris is roughly about 15 millimetres in size, the internal pelvic clitoral tissue is more like 10 centimetres in size or some, in some women a little bit more. So possibly part of the internal sexual gratification is from an internal pleasure of mm. applied pressure on the internal aspects of the clitoris, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. When we're... When we're all conceived, we're born with, oh, not, we're not born, we're conceived with the same type of anatomy. And for men, it grows out into a penis. And for females, it grows into this beautiful pleasure spot. So it's the only organ in the body that is designed purely for pleasure. In males, their penis uh, has ejaculation and uh, it has its urethral uh, canal there. So pee comes out of it. Whereas for women, we have this spot that has 8,000 nerve endings in it designed for us to stimulate and uh, provide orgasmic bliss most of the time. So when I have people come in and they say to me, I can't have an orgasm, I ask them, can you have an orgasm when you are touching yourself? And if they have, um, some of them say, 
Yes, I can, but I can't have it through penetration. And they get confused about what an orgasm actually is. And that's because we have been taught to, first of all, not know as women if pleasure is for us. But second of all, think that a penetrative orgasm is a sign of successful orgasm. Whereas for most women, 70% cannot orgasm through penetration. They need to have clitoral stimulation. And around 12% find it very difficult to orgasm at all. Um, so that's one thing that I am very much involved with uh, when women come in and they say I've never had an orgasm we really have a look at what signs and symptoms are coming up in their body when they are pleasuring that area and a lot of the time we have to look at uh, what's going on up in their head because orgasms are kind of like happiness the more you chase them the further away they get from you you really need to make sure that you're just in that um sexual experience for fun for pleasure with without a goal in mind because if we're sitting there and we're touching ourselves and going i need to have an orgasm i need to have an orgasm we're automatically getting tight we're automatically saying to our body this is a stressful situation and that means that the orgasm is not really achievable so a huge part of my role is doing some mindfulness with people to make sure that they are aware of what is happening in their body and the sensations that are happening on their vulva area yeah and look I think that has a little bit of overlap to another episode we're going to probably do a bit later about you know vulval surgery and labiaplasty but just to touch on it the outer lips the labia majora and the labia minora do have nerve endings as well and are important in female sexual satisfaction. So one thing I always talk to patients about if they would like to have a labiaplasty is that one concern about labiaplasty surgery is it could potentially reduce a woman's potential for sexual pleasure and that's something that any surgery has to be really mindful of and targeted to minimise Absolutely. You have to be careful with anything that's going near that uh, beautiful, usually very perfect area that is just um, something that unfortunately uh, us women don't get to see uh, what other women's vulvas look like that often. Whereas if you think of male genitals, they're out, you can see them, you understand what they look like. There's more representation of them in the media, whereas um, there is not representation of the vulva in the media and uh, the labia which are the the beautiful little flaps um, that surround your vagina and protect it are usually cut out in media sources because it is illegal for them to show outer labia um, which is super disappointing because you know we want to be able to recognize that we are all really normal and our labia is meant to be different. It's like a snowflake. Every single one is different in size and shape and color. That's true. Mm. Raylia, before we go back to perhaps what the – you've talked us through the physiological side, but exactly what happens in an or, during an orgasm to the clitoris and the vulva, maybe, Chantel, could you – like if someone thinks they haven't had an, an orgasm before, maybe could you describe what, what it could feel like? Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about orgasms, I usually like to talk about orgasms through clitoral stimulation because I know that that is the best um, way to find success. And I ask them if they have self-pleasured 
what has it felt like if they feel like they come close? Because a lot of women describe, I feel like I, I'm almost there and then it just becomes overwhelmingly sensitive and I, I just can't get to it. And A, we need to figure out, are they doing that with their fingers or are they doing that with a vibrator um, mm-hmm. that's uh, sitting on top of the clitoris? Also, how much are they stimulating it? Are they stimulating right on top of the clitoris? Because usually that becomes a little bit overwhelmingly sensitive and it Mm -hmm. tends to deter from this buildup that we want to be achieving. So I ask them to basically rub around the clitoris instead or just on top where you can feel this kind of vein coming up, feel over the top on the mons pubis and to start becoming a little bit more repetitive with that movement and then see if their body starts to almost clamp up like their butt cheeks will start to tilt upwards their pelvis will start to tilt upwards they might start feeling this warmth coming over them or a little bit of shuddering in their legs or in their pelvic region Um, they might feel like their eyes are kind of coming backwards or their brain is going to another place hopefully Um, this is if they are relaxed in the scenario And then if they do achieve that orgasm, usually there is some shuddering, there is this warmth, this beautiful feeling come over them, and then they kind of collapse. And I ask them not to persist with stimulating their clitoris beyond that because that's when things might become a little bit confusing or too overwhelming. For some women, they might need a little bit of help. So I always suggest a great clitoral vibrator because they are... I don't know, Germany's gift um, to women around the world. The womanizer (laughs) is my favorite. Um, And they basically, it's this beautiful little device that sits on top of your clitoris and sends um, air air surging over the top of the clitoris. So it's almost designed to mimic oral stimulation. Um, And it Mm -hmm. basically is there to bring blood up to the clitoris and to pleasure it in a way that is um, low-key, not too intense, so that we are able to reach that climax. And for a lot of women that have struggled maybe with their fingers, uh, then usually we're able to find some sort of success with uh, one of those toys. And Chantel, many women have never used a toy, would Mm. you say? I would say that um, it's getting more popular, but yes, I would say for a lot of women they haven't because they've been focusing on their partner's pleasure instead of their own. And possibly if they're in a long-term relationship and they toys weren't as readily available when they got into that relationship, they haven't tried one since. Yeah, and I think the fact is we have great websites now where you can order amazing toys online that are high quality and and good for your bodies love honey is the one that i use and you get the package the next day you know in a really discreet box whereas in the past we'd have to go into sex stores we'd kind of have to search around without knowing and maybe not feeling that comfortable Mm. um talking to the people who were at the desk there not because of them but because we felt uncomfortable being in those stores a little bit And it's just a bit of the fear of the unknown. Um, Whereas now, you know, it's amazing that we have resources like this podcast, gynees, sexologists, anyone who's involved in this sexual well-being space really saying it's okay for you to play around with the types of orgasmic experience that you want and it's okay for you to have a toy kit. In fact, you should feel empowered to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Radio Chantel was talking about 
blood flow around the vulva and possible sort of dizziness and feeling sensitive. Do you want to talk us through what is actually happening to our bodies when we orgasm? Yeah, so look, the first phase of orgasm is sexual arousal and women can become aroused in many ways. Um, We can become aroused visually uh, through touch, through fantasy, through reading like a sexy book or through watching a sexy movie. It doesn't have to be porn. Through smells. uh, Normal people. We could all just watch normal people. Verbal. Verbal. That's it. (laughs) Just just having, having a conversation that you connect with a person can be sexually arousing or tactile foreplay can be sexually arousing. So, you know, what all this does is it causes blood flow to head down to your vagina and clitoris. And as a reflex response, the glands in the vaginal wall start to secrete little beads of lubrication, which join together to moisten the vagina, which is a requisite for comfortable sexual penetration and the more aroused a woman is the more she'll lubricate Uh, also different times of the menstrual cycle a woman will be more able more quickly aroused and actually our body is trying to help us get pregnant because the maximal arousal happens around the time that you're going to ovulate and release an egg um, when our estrogen levels are high so you know, arousal causes this sexy rush and after that has happened and the blood has flowed to the area and we're feeling sensitive, a woman can then reach orgasm from direct or indirect stimulus of the clitoris. Actually, actually interesting to the fact that some women can't achieve orgasm from penetrative sex alone. There were some studies actually done in the 19. 19- 20s and 1930s, which looked at the anatomical relationship between the length between the clitoris and the vaginal opening. And what was found is that women, women who had a shorter length between the clitoris and the anterior vaginal wall opening found it easier to orgasm from sex alone, whereas many women, and as we talked about, the vulva coming in all different shapes and sizes might physically require more external stimulation as well to reach an orgasm. Um, and just on a note on estrogen is that there are times in a woman's life where her estrogen levels are low. So, for example, sometimes on some forms of contraception, when you're breastfeeding after you've had a baby, when you go through menopause, your estrogen levels can be low. And in women in those stages of life, particularly using a lubricant can actually make sex a lot more comfortable. And you, you still can be aroused, but and you can be aroused at any time of your menstrual cycle, but that estrogen does heighten the female libido and the female sexual response. So as we do become turned on, there's a sympathetic nervous response that happens and blood you know, flows to your pelvic organs, but also your skin has this reaction called piloerection where the little hairs stand up a little bit like when you're cold. Um, you get nipple erection, uh, you, your breathing speeds up, your heart rate speeds up. So you kind of like, that's like when you, you know, when you see someone who you're, you know, you've got a crush on, you might feel a bit this way as well you know you feel the flutters kind of thing so that Mm. kind of reaction and you also have vaginal wall muscle changes 
And, you know, kind of with clitoral and vaginal stimulation at this time, you build up this nervous and muscle tension. So it's like a building up of tension. And then an orgasm represents a parasympathetic response, which is a release of tension. And that release of tension is expressed as a series of waves of muscular contraction and relaxation. And they happen at about um, 0.8 seconds apart and they can be prolonged or they can be short. So it can be say five waves or it can be 15 waves, there's variety. And so some sexual experiences are more intense and some are less intense. And when that orgasm happens, you feel that muscular relaxation all over your body. So in all your muscles, you know, and that's why you feel very pleasantly relaxed after an orgasm. And your brain also secretes this hormone called oxytocin, which is the love hormone. That's the hormone that we release when we breastfeed a baby or when parents bond with their children, both men and women. It's known as the love hormone and we we do release that from an area of our brain called the hypothalamus when we have an orgasm. And many people fall asleep after they have an orgasm because they've got this lovely relaxation and they've got all this oxytocin feeling wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I I think it's also really um, amazing. You were mentioning the pulsations. If you look down at your uh, vulva, often you will be able to see the clitoris pulsating after an orgasm as well. So moving in and out, in and out. So that's a really interesting thing for anyone who hasn't done that just yet. Have a look. Absolutely. But there are many ways to also have an orgasm that aren't clitoral focused or internal. No, there are nipple orgasms, there are corgasms, which is where you're having an orgasm through exercising. And I, oh I God, guess you dream. can have them. Can you imagine? The dream. I know a lot of people <laughs> who can do this. It's really exciting. Um, there's blended orgasms, which is where you're stimulating two different erogenous zones. There's anal mm-hmm. orgasms. You know, there are so many different ways. And there are some, you know, blessed people in the world that can have an orgasm without even being touched. It's just part of the yes. arousal. And again, it comes back to what is happening in your brain. Absolutely. So what are, what are maybe some barriers to women who feel that they're not having an orgasm? Look, I think that um, there are so many reasons why we could have barriers to orgasm. That might be physical obstacles. Um, that might be because of psychological elements. Maybe that is low sexual self-esteem. Maybe there is a lack of sexual mm. knowledge there. There might be shame. There might be a way that our mind is blocking pleasure, which is something that I see a lot. There might be uh, a lack of presence in that erotic situation. So thinking about their to-do list or the groceries that they Mm. need to get. There might be physical fatigue as well. There might be things that Aurelia is seeing around vaginal infections or, um, you know, maybe some dermatitis or some problems that are going on in that area um, alongside painful sex as well and and avoidance of sex overall. Mm. We're in Melbourne and at the moment we're in lockdown again I would think I mean I, I'm I live alone and obviously not seen anyone at the moment but I would think that whilst we might not be going to work and maybe being as physically exhausted as we have been in our normal previous lives mm. it's possible that with kind of the mental load that we're experiencing at the moment that 
that would affect sex lives as well and the potential to orgasm. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe Raylia will also have something to say about this. I mean, I was telling you when I just came on before that I've had a really tough time the past few days just feeling really flat around, you know, going back into lockdown for six weeks. But it it wasn't so much about myself. It's thinking about my loved ones. It's thinking about my partner. It's thinking about my overall energy. It's thinking about my patients that struggle um, emotionally during this time and have really gone backwards because of this lockdown. And to be honest, that is a huge blockage to feeling good. That's a huge blockage to feeling erotic. And that's something that we really need to focus on in terms of the way that we move forward. And I always like to think about this kind of desire and arousal period like uh, and desire and arousal is of course separate but they are also very much intertwined it's like driving your own car we want to be able to put the um the foot on the accelerator quite a bit and and move forward and that takes good things to happen that means feeling good about yourself that means feeling psychologically well and present that means having time where you and your partner dedicate to eroticism that means using your womanizer or using your vibrator and and getting those endorphins that make you feel good it means getting enough sleep and on the other hand we have the the foot that's on the brake that's going okay we're going into lockdown again okay I'm you know I'm worried about uh, this next few weeks I'm worried about people and that those are things that turn off your arousal and what we really need to do is make sure that we ride the wave a little bit that but that we put in steps to take our pedal off um, to take our foot off that break and to turn off the offs and to make sure we have more turn-ons than offs. Nice. Multiple orgasms seem to be a bit of a thing for women or can be a thing for women. What about us lets that happen? So, look, women are women are capable of multiple orgasms in that we don't have this refractory period like men do after an orgasm. So Chantel was telling us about the fact that men's orgasm, while it does deliver pleasure to the man, it does have other functions. So because it's linked to ejaculation, it's very much linked to their, I guess, sexual survival, survival of the fittest, you know, in that if they can't have a, in a natural world, if a man can't have an orgasm and can't ejaculate he's not going to pass his genes on to the next generation whereas women you know it's it's really purely for pleasure you can actually conceive without having an orgasm Mm. although there's some thought that orgasm can actually improve fertility uh, for the woman that you know the contractions that happen at the level of the uterus and the cervix and the fallopian tubes might propel sperm forward so it actually may be advantageous to orgasm for fertility but it's certainly not needed for a woman to get pregnant Um, in terms of multiple orgasms I would say it's related to how a woman interacts with herself and with her partner in that if she feels that she wants to, that that experience can be replicated more than once in a sex session of either self-pleasure or of sexual intercourse. 
comes down to stimulation, whether you can, it's almost like a roller coaster, really. Can you build up and get to the top and reach an orgasm and then come down again and build up again? It's, it's about experimentation. And I would say that people who are successful at multiple orgasms are ones that have really taken the time to get to know their own pleasure and their own um, uh, erotic turn-ons and uh, the way that they like different types of stimulation, remembering that that orgasm doesn't have to come from the clitoral area, that can come from a few different erogenous zones. One thing that I also forgot to mention in terms of why things could be difficult from to have an orgasm is because of medications that can interact yes. with our body and our mind. And that's something that is important to talk about now, especially because some people are feeling flat. Uh, medications yes. such as antidepressants or anti-anxiety tablets can really wreak a little bit of havoc on the elusive orgasm. But it's important to be on those tablets if you are feeling down so um, there are other ways of finding stimulation other ways of achieving orgasm um, even when you are on antidepressants and that means maybe getting a stronger vibrator maybe it means being more in the zone maybe that means that you don't have to have an orgasm to have a great time orgasms aren't everything all end all when it comes to sexuality and pleasure you can still be satisfied without having an orgasm Absolutely, I would hope so. I I think for people who are on any of those medications at the moment and are feeling that way, it's probably important to speak to your doctor before making any changes because it's a tricky time to be making any changes to medication, I think, if if you need it at the moment. And also, especially with antidepressant medications in categories like SSRIs, which is the most commonly prescribed category, it's not okay to just stop those medications. If you do want to gently come off those medications, um, and I see this often in my fertility practice in men as well as women, um, where SSRIs are blunting libido and making it difficult for um, sex to happen when a couple wants to, and particularly around fertility, uh, which we'll do a whole episode on. Don't worry, we're going to do another episode on having sex to get pregnant and troubles around when it's taking a while. Mm. But, you know, th- when you're trying to have sex, when you're ovulating, I'm ovulating, you know, <laughs> ready, to, ready to try and have a baby. Um, that's pressure. That's a lot of pressure. And so some people do try and, and incrementally come off these medications around that time. Some women are worried about being on medications during pregnancy. And we we did an episode with Dr. Catherine Kasuma in our back catalogue, who's a perinatal psychiatrist who talked about, you know, the balance about staying on or coming off uh, anti-anxiety, anti-depression medications during pregnancy. It's not always the right thing to stop. Mm. But yeah, it's it certainly can be an extra barrier for couples who are having struggles with libido and arousal and erection. I agree. I also, I I take fluoxetine, which is an antidepressant for my PMDD. So for anyone listening, that's premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which basically means that I lose my mind for about a week, a month, 10 days of the month. And it's really unpleasant. Um, It's really hard for me. It's really hard for my relationship. And I didn't discover that until I was in my current relationship and it affected so many years of my life where I thought that I had different psychiatric 
concerns when in reality it was just my hormones wreaking a little bit of havoc on me and the fluoxetine has really helped my quality of life immensely I feel so much better and I feel like I can live you know with happiness and health and not have to cancel work or patients or outings because mm. um, my mental health is playing up during that time but it does mean that those orgasms are a little bit further away from me during that time so I do I, I do incorporate my toy box into um, that time of the month and honestly with the right toys with the right intention and mindsets then we can get to a really healthy place sexually even with those medications playing a little bit of um, difficulty. So much of this is about mindset, like you've both said. Absolutely. So, Chantelle, you promised to tell us about squirting. Tell us about that. Yay. Okay, look how happy I am. No one can see my face right now, but I'm going to see you We can vouch for you. (laughs) Squirting is something that most women can do there are some women that find it very difficult or may not be able to do it but I would suggest that you give it a go because the um, experience is quite intense it's not for everyone but it is something fun to try basically I teach women and couples to find their squirting uh, capacity through playing with each other. And what that means is I usually ask them to do it within a couple's environment just because it's easier the first few times where the woman lies down and she puts her her feet kind of together and then stretches them out to the sides like a frog. We would say it's like a frog's leg position. Um, or she can put them both up in the uh, with the knees bent and feet on the bed or the couch or wherever you're doing this. And the her partner will kneel next to her and put their fingers inside her vagina, lubed up. Of course, we want to make sure we have lots of lubricant so it's comfortable and so that we have that initial foundation for a healthy squirting experience. And they curl their fingers up um, in a sea-like kind of position in a come-hither movement. That's the way that we usually talk about it in the sexology world. So we want them bent up towards the belly button and then we want them to start shaking their hands up and down, up and down. So instead of stroking that, um, it's kind of the G-spot area, we want them to actually start shaking their hands so that they're able to stimulate the skin's gland, which is releasing that amazing fluid that we call female ejaculation. It is not urine, which a lot of women go, I'm going to pee, because you do feel this overwhelming sensation to pee. But I assure you, that's not going to happen. You have to actually push down on your pelvic floor, almost like you are going to pee. And that's when you will start seeing this cloudy liquid coming out of your vagina. And don't be surprised if it kind of splashes out. Don't be surprised with how much is coming out. It could be uh, only a tiny bit, or it could be quite a bit. And it will feel like a different type of orgasm. Uh, and it will feel quite overwhelming, but it is a very exciting experience. If you do want to do it by yourself, that is also okay. What I would recommend is you get quite a hard, almost a, a, you can spy on Love Honey some glass vibe. Um, glass dildos which are solid and they have these little ridges in them so you can start pulling them in and out and they will also stimulate the skin's gland to release that um, magical cloudy fluid but it absolutely is doing no harm to the body it is something that can be very exciting and maybe something new to expand on in your sex life and try out what a way to end 
Thank you so much, Chantelle. <laughs> That's okay. I hope that explains it well enough for everyone. Otherwise, I do have a series on on squirting on my Instagram, which um, anyone is uh, welcome to look up. Yes. So where can our listeners find you on Instagram at? Chantelle, so C-H-A-N-T-E-L-L-E underscore Otten, O-T-T-E-N underscore sexologist. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Looking forward to the next episode already. Yay. (laughs) 